0: Like a lot of football on your podcasts, hold and give. Oh, I don't know how I feel about that, but I'm getting bullied into doing it by the people who watch this, so we need to please them, so we'll keep it up for the time being. Welcome to the Hold and Give Football podcast. I am Ross Tweddle, joined by Jack Atkins. A Jack Atkins who I doubt knew that Nemanja Viric is the only Premier League winner with a surname made up of entirely Roman numerals.
1: Um. Mm.
0: You've got so V, what? which is yeah. 5, you've got I, which is 1, you've got D, which is 500, and C, which is 100. So he's well, 607. Out of 100, in terms of his ability on the football pitch. <laughs> yes, exactly. And maybe, as we're sat here now in 2023, 607 years old. Hmm. That wouldn't surprise me. I, this week, have a fact for you, Ross. Shut up. Are we going to have fact wars now at the start of the podcast?
1: Uh, no, no. It was just that I was scrolling the other day and I went into a Wikipedia scroll hole and I found myself on this player in questions uh, Wikipedia page. So, can you name me the only player to score a hat-trick in the Premier League, Championship, League One, League Two, League Cup, FA Cup and on international duty? Only one player
0: has done it. Jonathan Walters. Robert Ensho. Oh, of course. Yeah. Uh, West Bromwich Albion. I remember that Charlton away, no four oh five. I don't know why yeah. I remember that, but I remember watching match of the day that week and seeing yeah. Robbie Earnshaw get a hat trick. Yeah, <laughs> and he was banging them in for Cardiff and obviously Wales for international. I don't know how I
1: ended up on his page, but I was I was reading something. I just thought, bloody hell, Robbie Earnshaw. I forgot about him. Clicked on it and then uh, yeah, that uh, that little tidbit is at the top of his page. So thank you, anonymous Wikipedia editors. Which, of course, Probably is the wrong. best
0: the best source of information on your whole internet because anyone can mm. edit it at any time, so you're always getting the best the best possible source out yes. there. Yes. Well, I told you about the time I edited Des Lynam's page years ago, and
1: it stayed that way for months. What did you and put? It, it basically said, you know, Lynam was married to his, you know, missus for X amount of years, and then after they split up, he was with his you know, living partner for so many years. And I just put One Day board. Both women said that Lynam was an extremely sensitive lover and it just stayed there for months and months and months.
0: He did have the tickler. We all know that, don't we? (laughs) He would go up behind them, right, and then lift their arm up and go like under their armpits. It was fantastic scenes. I'm surprised you didn't (laughs) use this as an excuse to um, do your favourite Des Lynam moment of all time. What? If by Raja Kipling. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I forget what album it was when I was growing up, but yeah, Des I'm just reading that out with a little bit of flutery in the background. I hope that's not an inappropriate word inadvertently used there. A little bit yeah, of flute all... playing in the background. Um, it was <laughs> spine tingling stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you showed it to me in the office once and you just... I'm surprised you didn't stand up with one hand on your heart. I was well up when I hear it, but I get—I guess, guess we go from Des Lydum to something that might be getting you welled up. In the football news today, we're sat here on Wednesday, June the 7th, 2023. This afternoon, it's been revealed that big Gary Mack is coming back to Liverpool. Who would have thought of it? I mean, we
1: loved his Barca goal, his Derby goal, his Baldy head. He's Gary Mack. <laughs> I mean... Superb, absolutely superb. Uh obviously we're not talking about Gary Mack, we're talking about Alex Mack and not the uh was Alex Mack on Nickelodeon, was
0: it years ago? I was a cartoon network boy, so I've got no idea. Yeah,
1: But yeah, um Alexis McAllister, he was booked in for his medical yesterday, so we still hasn't been officially announced by the club, so we're all just waiting. But uh rumours are saying around thirty-five million, which is so
0: how how can that be thirty-five million? Well, I've been looking at Fabrizio Romano's Twitter today and a, a reports from The Athletic as well, saying mm. that Brighton added an unusual clause to the midfielders' deal when he signed a contract extension with Brighton back in October 2022. According to The Athletic, McAllister's contract contains a clause that was designed to help facilitate a move. Nobody knows what this clause is, Apart from, you know, you buy one, you get one free. Bug off, 50% off. Seemingly, that's what's... Because we were getting quoted sort of 60, 70 million quid last week for McAllister going to Liverpool. Then all of a sudden, thanks to this clause, half off, uh, he's, he's 35.
1: Yeah, because we thought it was going to be 45. And, you know, in my group chat, to be like, that's not bad. And then when it's come out, as 35. Obviously, modern fo- football, the way things are structured, we probably will end up paying close to... Fifty odd million, but um the words they were using was uh, mechanism. It wasn't a transfer release, uh, like a release clause. It was a a mechanism in his contract. So I don't know if he had it in writing, saying, yeah, if uh, you know Liverpool, United, City, etc., come in for us, you've got to entertain the offer, or who knows, but.
0: Yeah, that's, it's good. It's nice. I don't know why, but when you heard mechanism there, I just thought of like Liverpool owners having to go down to Brighton's training ground and McAllister being sat on one of those things you see at the fairway, you have to throw the thing at the target, then he falls into the, the, the little pit of water below. And what? they had to nail that one to get the deal done. If you hit the target there, it's £35 million. If you miss the target there, it's £70 million. So John Henry's obviously nailed that target. He's fallen <laughs> into the water and that's the mechanism that's got this deal done. you will do anything to save a couple of quid, John Henry. <laughs> But, uh,
1: hey! 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 But yeah, it's, it's, it's good. Good piece of business. Um, <laughs> us being insatiable bastards, we're just like, right, cool, let's get Coney uh, and Taram done now. Uh, we've also been heavily linked with Lavia and Vega as well. But we need a whole new midfield. But if we can get the first piece of the puzzle in for 35
0: million, good. Good start. Yeah, very good start. You got three or four more centre midfielders. How many? How many are you saying? You got Thiago still there, obviously. Jordan Henderson's kicking around. Yeah,
1: <laughs> Thiago's made of crisps. Henderson ain't the player he used to be. Curtis uh, Jones
0: was like, a, well, Klopp was raving about him towards the end of the season. He
1: hit a lovely bit of form. As soon as we changed that formation to kind of facilitate Trent as more of a midfielder, it really worked for Curtis Jones as well. But again, there's questions about his injury record, and I think he's still only like 21, 22. He's got time to develop, but uh,
0: looks like we're playing the long game. So, mm. Ooh, what's this space? That's how you woo people with the long game. I've been told. Anyway, yeah. we go to Saturday's <laughs> FA Cup final. 15 seconds in, in Ilkay Gundawan who sits in the top corner, lovely goal, direct football, Pep Guardioli, you love to see it. Um, and obviously uh, Manchester City go on to win trophy number two of a potential treble against Manchester United, who I didn't think laid a glove on them the entire game just about.
1: No, not at all. Um, we, we were watching it, we were at Old School, we were watching it on a phone in a pub uh, without a TV in it, uh, with one of my mates, a Man United fan, and we actually... <laughs> We couldn't get it up for like the first two minutes, and as soon as we went in, it was like, "Ah, oh, it's already one 0 fantastic!" <laughs> uh, Gundogan's goal as well, beautiful, absolutely yeah. beautiful. Uh, and for me, the the match was summed up by as much City's dominance as it, it's unfair to pick out one player from United, but David De Gea, he's such he turned into such a weird player for me because obviously he got the Golden Glove last season in the Premier yeah. League, but he's either unplayable or he looks a bit amateurish he's, he never just has an alright game he's a brilliant or a bit poo um, and I thought he was a, a, a bit poo
0: yeah that second yeah. goal should never ever go and it was a wonderful no. pick out by De Bruyne De, uh, Gundawan. it sort of rolls off his knee off his shin, mm. off his foot and just sort of bobbles in I saw someone saying well it's the dry pitch in the top spin that's confused to hear Get in the bin, will you? There was about 45 yards out by the time you hit the <laughs> ball. You had plenty of time to get there. Obviously, De Gea's position as well I saw was picked up as because he was too far at his front post for the free kick to get across mm. the goal as quick as he should do. But I think it just comes down to competition. Like, for the, the longest time now at Man United, it feels like they've had De Gea and then they've had... I mean, Henderson was probably the last one to challenge him for his number one spot in that lockdown season and he, especially against Liverpool, remember? I think it was Salah when he went through one-on-one and Henderson was yeah. sort of stood all the way over here and Salah just put it there. Um ever since those days just had no competition so De Gea can get away with murder but he knows he's going to play next week.
1: Because even at that time there were some elements of the United fan base who were just like give it Henderson you know permanently but stuck with De Gea uh, arguably the better choice I think he is the better keeper but like we were saying then you just don't know which version of him is going to turn
0: up. Yeah but I was just so disappointed to see Man United not put a glove on Man City, like you think thinking a Cup finally would try and take the game, but then again, it might be the occasion, like I watched my Newcastle in February at Wembley, we didn't lay a glove on Man United then, so maybe it was the occasion of just coming up against Guardiola, it was a bit yeah. of a disappointment for me, but now they've got the second trophy in the bag, are they going to make it a treble there, Jack Atkins? Obviously I hope not
1: uh, but I think they will it's just... I know it's. I'll have the Champions League on. I'll probably get a the in. I'll probably have one hand on my phone and look up and be
0: like, "Oh, the bed banged in the third. Okay, after twenty minutes." But I tell you what, there's precedent for a little bit of hope for Inter Milan. Though, if you go back to the 2021 final when Man City played Chelsea and mm. Pep. Turned into prime Claudio Ranieri, dilly ding, dilly dong. He started tit- uh, t- I think a tiddling there. He started tiddling with his. Uh, obviously, you know, Claudio Ranieri was the big tiddler. That was his, his big nickname. Not the Tinker Man. Not the Tinker Man. <laughs> oh, he was the big tiddler. Love pissing tindler. on gardens. Yeah, like mm. dog. Um, but no, he, he 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 fiddled with his lineup, didn't he? he obviously, dropped. I think it was Rodri dropped for that final and it bit him on the arse, good and proper, because I think he went into it a little bit overconfident, perhaps. Will he do that again? Potentially against the Milan team, who under Inzaghi. They're proper, like, I don't know what it is. They, they, they remind me of Bolton from the mid-noughties, right? And the fact that they're proper, like, dogged and aggressive and they've got players like a Gary Speed or an even Camp in the middle of the park. But then they've got the little bits of quality in the areas that matter that they can punish Man City with if to get the ball to them at the right times. That's the weirdest thing I've ever said in my life. <laughs>
1: But there's precedent as well. You know, anything can go in a final. You know, I don't want to keep harping on about Rafa Benitez's mustard reds, but (laughs) it's Istanbul. Liverpool had no right being in that final against the AC Milan squad and pulled it out of the bag. So you never know. With City, though, I think Pep's learned his lesson because there was a few seasons on the bounce that he'd do that tinkering whenever he played Liverpool. He'd just be like, right, we're in form. This team works, but they'll be expecting that. So I'll put, I don't know, Jermaine Genius, I'll get him out of retirement. I'll sign him. I'll put him in goal, and we're just like, what? <laughs> what have you done that for? Um, and you just flap it, but he, he's he's emotional. He's an emotional manager, but I think this season just, they're un, they're unstoppable.
0: They are unstoppable. Just in case you're wondering what Inter Milan's record, obviously, uh, uh, sorry, Man City's only had that one final against Chelsea back in 2021. Inter have had five. They've won three, lost two, Mm. scored seven against five. The last one, of course, was 13 years ago. Milito uh, Milito in the final against uh, Bayern Munich. What a, what a, that was a weird season, that, wasn't it? Just the way the Inter just were under Mourinho, a bunch of arseholes getting to the final (laughs) and then winning quite comfortably in the end.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because it seemed to come out of nowhere, because I think it had been a couple of years from that point, um, before Mourinho joined, that Inter weren't quite the force they were, but we, what what season was it? When did Juventus come back up? Because Juventus kind of like bubbling for a bit. Uh, Milan, the, the, the last great Milan side fell off, and Inter
0: were just like, oh, there's a bit of a void here, why did jump into it, get Mourinho in, play some horrible football and win everything. But that was fantastic when he was in the Camp Nou, obviously just giving it the big one, having outworked and outthought Barcelona, Pep's Barcelona back in the day. But yeah, I think all eyes that season were on Madrid because obviously 9 was the, mm. the summer when they signed Alonso and Ronaldo and Benzema and whoever else they signed, Jermaine Genus in goal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I it was a weird time. But yeah, I, I, I just think it's going to be an easy Manchester City win. I hope I'm wrong. It'd be nice to see a competitive <sighs> final with lots of goals. Yeah, especially, you know, seeing the Man City
1: title parade and about 15 drunk monks in the street, as opposed to a, a Milan title victory, in which case, you know, there might be cars on fire. Who knows? <laughs> so, so Some of my mates are actually, they're in Italy next week. Uh, they're going to Milan, but they're not going to be in Milan for the final because they were just like, oh, how do we play this? Because, you know we might get battered. So I think they're just going to quietly watch it again on a phone and just be
0: like, oh, OK, at least City haven't won, fingers in a, crossed. In a bunker somewhere just to be just to be safe. Yeah. Speaking of cars on fire, by the way, do you see Spalletti get his uh, steering wheel back this week? Yeah, I did, That yeah. was fantastic, <laughs> man. You've got to leave our club. We want you out of here. So we're going to take your... Well, we're going to burn your car to the ground and take your steering wheel just for good measure, just for a, a final kick in the nads. But now mm. you've won the league, you can have your steering wheel back. We're not fickle at all. I like the fact they kept hold of it. <laughs> <laughs> just dangling on a bit of string from a tree. Every time they yeah. lose, just punch it right in the <laughs> horn bit. Um, but I, right, congratulations to Mr Spilletti for getting his, uh, his, his steering wheel back and his tattoos on his arms. He's seen that as well. It's no, all no. kicking off over there, yeah, just because he no. won the league. He was getting like a Napoli sort of... Like, it's like one of those ones where it's like the skin's ripped, that sort of effect, and, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. But, yeah. Nice things in Italy going on. Uh, Sevilla have won the Europa League since the last time we were sat here chatting to each other. Anthony Taylor was obviously the big news coming out of it, the horrible mm. season in the airport where he's getting just pelt as all sorts. His wife is there. I think his kids were there as well. Completely at the I think Mourinho was at fault for that entire situation because we've all been there as football fans, you know, especially with Anthony Taylor in the Premier League. He's not he's not prone to an error in the Premier League, but you don't ever see fans attack them, you know, of Premier League clubs after a little mistake. Well what is perceived as a mistake in a big final like that, but Mourinho's comments after the game really did take things to another level, I thought, and I think if Mourinho, I mean, who knows, if Mourinho didn't say that, would it have still happened? We don't know, because it's very much a different sort of culture over there, um, in terms of following football like they do in Italy, but you would you ha- would like to think if he didn't say that, those scenes in the airport wouldn't have happened.
1: Yeah, well, the, the very, I'm going to use the word passionate fan base, um, Roma fans, uh, Mourinho's been, is it, Is it a four-match ban for next season in Europe? I've
0: not even looked that up. Let me look that up while you're talking.
1: Yeah. um, I watched watched the highlights of the match. uh, And I don't... I hate the fact that we're having to talk about referees again. Um, And I think VAR got one right for the potential severe uh, penalty. Yeah. Um, And I thought, like I said, it's a highlights package. You don't see all the bad refereeing decisions. Um, I did think, from what I saw, Roma with a better team for me, yeah. um, and they should have had a pen out for the high boot on Tammy Abraham in the first half. I know it's a bit soft, but again, we need consistency. And we've well, this is our third podcast, and again, we're saying about the standard of refereeing, blah 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 blah. <laughs> but they should be able to do their job without fear that you know the wife's not going to get. Swelled in an airport. Mm. It's it was horrible scenes. It was horrible scenes.
0: Yeah, just as we're sat here now, I think UEFA are ready to suspend uh, Mourinho for four games for what yeah. happened in the aftermath of that final. I mean, I thought in, in Taylor's defence, I thought both sets of players were being a bit petty. A little bit like too much gamesmanship going on, so I think he was well within his rights to show as many cards as he did. Yeah, see, well, I guess you can see yeah. why both sets of fans would be upset. But again, for Mourinho to take things to that level again, that the, the ban hasn't been confirmed as where I sat here um, on Wednesday afternoon, June the seventh. Um, mm. It's just it he shouldn't have done it. I mean, he's, it was, make an example of the guy for goodness' sake.
1: Yeah, it, it was it was a very narky game. Every single decision, you know, no, no matter which side it went to, they just swarmed to the referee and hounded him, so um, he, he did keep his composure. I'll, yeah. I'll give him that, but uh, I mean, it's it's Jose Mourinho, you know. We we love him when he's being an arsehole in a charming way, but then when he's an arsehole in an arsehole
0: way, it's like, oh, he's he's quite nasty, isn't he? Yeah, and I was saying there, like, through, make an example out of him. You don't want to get like it's it's because it's sad the way football is these days, when like post match interviews and whatnot, managers are like. We can't say much, otherwise we're going to get fined. There needs to be a better, a, a finer line between fining people for giving an opinion which is like well within the rights of giving that opinion, for example, mm. Whether just disagreeing with the decision or asking why this decision was made. But then when you do get extreme examples like this Mourinho one, I think that's when the fines need to come in. Because for the, some of the reasons you see, like I think Klopp's a big one who's just like, I can't really talk about that. Yeah. Who was it to said if I speak I am in trouble? A couple of years ago, I can't remember who it was now. Uh-huh. who cares who it was but that happened anyway some man said that to do a football there needs to be a better barometer of when fines and suspensions have come in for comments after a game I think I am just googling if I speak I'm a big troll
1: it was Mourinho oh it was Mourinho yeah, I thought it was, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah like we've said before on this podcast post-match whether take the referee himself out of the firing line and like I said fourth official or someone else should give a statement saying to the letter of the law we've done this 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 and this not ha- again there's no easy answer to this though because we've seen in the Premier League that um, with Howard Webb it's it's quite jobs for the boys it's looking after it's like oh here's the VAR decisions we did get right and not yeah. showing the crap ones it's
0: I don't know It's it's just a bit rotten all over the place isn't it yeah Get Howard Webb out there, the arsehole. Anyway, congratulations <laughs> to Gonzalo Montiel, especially. What a few months he's had. He slots away the winning penalty in the World Cup final and then slots away the winning penalty in the Europa League final as well.
1: Can can we get rid of the penalty encroachment rule for goal, goalkeepers? I hate it. I hate <laughs> it so much.
0: It's, it's oh, you, would, you would say that as a Liverpool fan in that 5 final, Dudek, coming on the six-yard line. Nob yeah, but I mean, like, it's, penalty takers are allowed a
1: run-up and, you know, not as much stuttering as they used to, but they're allowed to fart around and a goalkeeper
0: can't come an inch off his line. It's, I tell you what you should do. Give the give the goalkeeper a trampoline on the line for an extra bit of spring. That's how you stop encroachment, in a fair way. Yeah,
1: and try and see how many Rennie Higgies as they try and pull off. be amazing.
0: <laughs> like they're six years old and their mum's back god, Mum, look at this! Whoa. You know that John Pickford would try it every time, this stupid little angry man. Anyway, (laughs) God-bye Zlatan uh, Zlatan Ibrahimović. uh, 32 trophies over the course of his career. League titles in Holland, Italy, Spain and France. Uh, He turned out for Malmo. Here we go. Malmo, Ajax, Juventus, Inter Milan, Barcelona, AC Milan. Then again, AC Milan permanently. Paris Saint-Germain, Man United, the Galaxy in the MLS. And then finally rounding things off in Milan. League games, 637 played, 405 league goals total in his career move across their computer you silly little thing what are you doing to me why do you do this now when we're doing this podcast live it's gone upside down 866 games 511 goals and despite all of that all people seem to talk about is his interviews
1: <laughs> yeah straight away I remember it was it. um John Carew, <laughs> the great John Carew, who's taking the water blood. at the sound of John Carew's name. They're terrifying. Oh, one of my mates loved John Carew, but I think it was something I think Carew had dissed him and he said, You know, what Carew does with a football, I can do with an orange or something odd like that. Um, I just went straight on and was just going back for watching some of my favorite goals from him. Um, remembering obviously the, the absolute. I was going to say, the dry
0: bumming he gave England. Let's not beat around the bush. That, uh, <laughs> to be fair, no, that bicycle kick was completely slobbered with some sort of lubricant there because the way he flew through that air, my goodness. Yeah, it, it was the,
1: the fact that he had the, the audacity to try it. He had the patience and the vision for it and somehow the power while twisting and landing on his front. Amazing. Uh, and 12 feet in the air. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then I, I remember this, um, his debut for LA Galaxy, and he comes on and just scores like a 45-yard volley straight away. It's like, Oh my word! I nearly swore then. I, I nearly you swore. Stopped,
0: you stop yourself there. Be careful. now We're on YouTube. You need to be careful. Oh, I God. but you go back. You go back to Ajax as well. Like that goal where he, he takes <laughs> on like the whole entire team in the box and just slots it away. Yeah. So many good highlights. I mean, I guess the only you look at his record there. I think he became this sort of th- like the phenom in his own head. If you want to use that Christian Pulisic term, when mm. he was at Paris, which was a bit weird because you know you can, you can do it in, in the French league and then turn into this like godly figure in your own mind. But then you go back to Barcelona and it, uh, this might be me write, rewriting the history in my head but I thought he was there was all that stuff about him not fitting into Pep's system and sort of being humbled by Pep I guess that's the only real blight on his career wherever he's been because like, wherever he's been he's scored goals I mean you look at his record there the, the worst place he's been for goals I think is Juventus between 0-4 and 6 23 and 70 league games but apart from that it's all, it's all up there yeah I uh... <laughs> I always felt I don't think
1: sorry is the, the right word for him, but when he obviously I think it was when he was at Inter, Barça won the Champions League, so he went to Barça and Inter won the Champions League. <laughs> so then he left Barça for Milan, and Barça won the Champions League again. He's just he's just always a he's always a season away from it, wasn't he? But yeah. what a it player! Was... I, I don't think we'll ever see anything like him for a very long time. That that amount of skill and just that level of confidence
0: what a weird man harland could be up there if harland's practicing yoga now harland could be in terms of like longevity and being at the top of the game for what well, you say at the top of the game you know i know he went to l.a galaxy from man united but he still scored 52 goals in 56 league games so he's still mm. at a hell of a level at the age of 41 when he retired so hopefully harland's practicing yoga now to make sure his career is going to be elongated towards the end he just needs to grow a little little moustache and then he's got the whole package for me. <laughs> right, but what a player. I hope we do see another Zlatan very soon because beyond beyond anything else, apart from being a fantastic player, it's just entertaining. We need more yeah. arseholes in football, don't we? Not to the extent <laughs> of Mourinho's we just talked about there, but, you know... A little towards, a little towards that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Right, I've, I've caught this bit of the news. It's Saudi mania in the soccer, which is a, a thing I never thought I'd say, but there we go. Saudi Arabia's sovereign wealth fund will take control of four of the kingdom's top football clubs, including Al Nasser, which Cristiano Ronaldo plays for, as the government revives its plan to privatise several state-owned football clubs. PIF, those people who are involved in Newcastle United and other things, loan 75% of Al-Idihad, Al-Ali, uh, Al Nasser and Al-Hilal the Sports ministry said on, on Twitter on Monday, uh, following a report by State news Agency SPA, that Saudi Arabia will pr- privatise several sports clubs from the fourth quarter, whatever the bloody hell that is. Well, from later this year, I guess. Uh, all those teams are in the top division in Saudi Arabia, except Al- Al-Ali. Al God, they're tongue twisters then for people who aren't used to saying them like <laughs> me, uh, who are in the, the, uh, the second division. Uh, PIF has previously taken over several companies before privatising them. Hopefully that doesn't happen to Newcastle. Uh, uh, Newcastle Private Anyway? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Mm. They're a limit. They'll be a limited company, won't they? I don't know what I'm talking about here. Anyway, <laughs> unlike, this is the crucial bit, unlike in the Premier League and other European teams, Saudi clubs are not bound by UEFA's rules, obviously, on spending, meaning there is no limit on the salaries PIF can offer to lure top players to the Middle East, which is terrifying. Mm.
1: The way I've not looked too much into how this works, so we're saying that they own 75% of all the teams in question. So I take it are they just becoming the
0: money and business side of it and then leaving the twenty five percent to the football side of it? You would imagine it would be a similar setup to how Newcastle are owned, because Newcastle oh, no. are owned majority like if you look at like a pie, ooh pies, mm. the biggest slice of the pie is owned by Piff. The yeah. public investor fund of Saudi Arabia. But then we've got little people. I say little people. We've got people like Amanda Stavion, Murdad, Jamie Rubin, who own the other little bit there, who are more day-to-day running while the PIF do the big picture stuff. I think that's how, okay. got, yeah. how it'll be split up.
1: Yeah, because I was just trying to say, how would it not be a conflict of interest in terms of spending? Like I don't know if you've ever tried playing chess against yourself. I can't really play chess, but I've still tried playing chess against myself. And for all the best will in the world, you think, oh, I'll have an even game. And you favour one side over the other, and just absolutely batter yourself. It's—I don't know how they're not just going to go. Well, you know, Al Nasir, you can have all these great players, and Al Hilal, you can have Jermaine Genus in goal. <laughs> uh, It's—I don't. I'm waiting to see if this experiment works. I'm not. Part of me still thinking that it's going to be like was it the late seventies when they first tried kicking off soccer in the states, Pele and, and stuff, George Best. George Bass, I think Beckenbauer went over there for a bit as well. Yeah, Pele um, and the Cosmos, was it? Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm not part of me is thinking, oh, it could do that where, you know, they get the headlines and stuff, but everyone just goes, Ah, not really this. And then, you know, setting the seeds for something proper to emerge years later, or if this is just gonna be right, we're taking all the best players when the pass of the prime. Come watch the Masters League basically, but under a fifty five degree sub.
0: Yeah, that's all it's going to be, I think, until that one player who is in their prime gets lured by the sort of fees they are paying for these players who have been there and done that. Much yeah. like Karim Benzema, who is obviously, the news is now out, he's left Real Madrid, and he is going to Al-Idi Had in uh, Saudi Arabia. Um, reportedly, according to Big Fabrizio, €200 million euros per season net salary. Commercial deals included. I think it was a two year deal he signed uh, with the option for a further season. Uh, by the way, that team is managed by Nuno Espirito Santo, so there's a good chance that Karen Benzema will never score another goal again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like uh, Nuno? Uh, to be fair, Spurs did him dirty, I think, because I, hmm. I did enjoy his Wolves team. I know they were a little bit, you know, defensive minded, but I thought when he had those players that are ticking, you know, yeah. Raul, Big Raul up front was banging them in before he did his head in and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I think, I do think Nuno's yeah. had a little bit hard done by Spurs. I do apologise for saying that. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll make
1: sure he hears it.
0: <laughs> Iber Benzema, he's won five Champions League, four La Liga's, 14 years with Madrid, he's 35 years old. Now, I'll repeat that. 200 million euros per season net salary, commercial deals included. Fair ball him.
1: I, know. I mean, <laughs> if take the money in, bro. I mean, it's you can question how the money gets there. You can question ethics, but it, it's it's the way the game's going. You've got to you all yourself know as a Newcastle fan. You've got to try and put it to one side, really, haven't you? I mean, it's it's, if, it's it still is like
0: a, yeah, it's still a big, massive sports washing thing, though, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, still a massive sports-washing thing. You can't get away from that. It's that twenty thirty project, whatever it's called, over in Saudi Arabia. But uh, to be fair, if if you if you were Karen Benzema and you've been there and done it, and the only way you would think is down for him now at the age of thirty five, in terms mm. of like just his body giving up after such a long career at the top level, playing all these games he does every year, travelling around the world. I know he was missing from the French team for a while after what went on with was it with who was it with? Was it with Deschamps back in the day when they all had a big falling out and Yeah, Deschamps has weird little teeth. Have yeah. you ever seen Didier Deschamps' teeth? The terrifying. No. He's got
1: really small teeth.
0: <laughs> like a pug. Um, but yeah, he's, he's obviously... The only way it's down to... So for him, it, having won everything there is to win, basically, you know, Ballon d'Or was there as well. Mm. For him to go to al Had, you can't really... I don't think you can say much about that one. It's when that player in their pride It's like the, when China, about 10 years ago, when they started taking people like Oscar from Chelsea and yeah. whoever else went out there, I can't remember at the time, uh, off the top of my head at the minute. When they start going there, that's when we need to put our foot down and tie them down on chairs and don't let them go. Yeah, and when everyone was getting there, was it Angie Machal... Uh, Angie uh, Machcalar, Machcalar, Mach-cala, yeah. Yeah. Samuel Etonia, Willian, was it Willian? I can't remember though. I think it was Willian, yeah. He, yeah. he was definitely in Russia for a bit. Hmm. All right, but that's when the when the prime players start going. That's when we need to go. I guess there's one who could be happening now. Uh, Karen Benzema could be getting a new teammate at Al Hit on a free transfer. According to Fabrizio, once again, final details are being discussed. And then the proposal will uh, 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 well, apparently be accepted by Angolo Kante. 100 million euros per year until 2025 for him. Apparently, the al directors have just arrived in London just before we started shooting this podcast to link up with the PIF Saudi delegation to prepare the documents. Because obviously the PIF thing has got to relate now to golf because they've just, you know, the, the PGA and the, whatever the other one was called in Saudi Arabia, they're coming together now as well. How bottomless is the bottomless pit of money?
1: <laughs> Seemingly bottomless if they're going for... How old is Ngolo Kante now, like forty five years old. He's um, not forty five, is he? I know no, you're he's, there. Yeah. I I'm I'm in two minds about seeing Kante go because it's one of those I loved watching him play. But every time he played against Liverpool, he turned into the greatest player of all time and absolutely <laughs> just put us to the sword. So I'm glad that I don't have we don't have to face him again, but What a player he was.
0: Yeah, 32 years old, which is a lot older than I was expecting. I don't know how old I thought he was, but 32 was not it. Yeah, I think he's one of the Mm. the Premier League's greatest ever players. You look what he did, obviously, at Leicester, then going to Chelsea. Maybe the past couple of years, injuries and stuff have gotten in the way. Mm. I love the fact that, you know, in this world where he'll be on a pretty penny at Chelsea anyway, but he just drives a little mini, I think. I watched a video of all the Chelsea players leaving in their Lamborghinis and Ferraris and Mercedes G-Wagons and whatnot, and he just rocks up, beep, beep, his little mini. Bye-bye, see you later. Uh, Never lost the common touch to take a a line from Des Lynam's version of Rajah Kipling's.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like Des Lynam, he does just seem like a nice fella, doesn't he? But as soon as you mentioned the mini, I just
0: pictured him in Mr Bean's mini. (laughs) I was like... Just battering this random blue car that's always there for some reason. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> no little teddy bear on, you know, with his head ripped off in the glove box. Anyway,
0: yeah. <laughs> and Golo, can what a player. Yeah, wonderful <laughs> footballer. Uh, the other person who could be going there apparently is Wilfred Zaha, who is 30 years of age. Well, not apparently, he is 30 years of age. Uh, he could be off to Al Nassir, which is one of the teams I've just probably butchered the pronunciation of, but is also owned now by, well, majority owned by Piff. So. I don't know. It's, it's it's obviously it's sports washing. It's a weird one to get your head around. It's it's I don't know what you even say about it. It's it, as a Newcastle fan sitting here, you know, be two years in October since we were taken over. It's still a weird one to wrap your head around because while it is lovely to see the football team, you've supported through thick and thin, go to new heights. Well, heights we were a couple of decades ago. Um, it's 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 still in the back of your mind, lingering where the money's come from and what the issues are going on over there and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, because you you like to think that you know if you. If you boycotted
1: these teams or if you boycotted the league or whatever, that you know things would change, but it doesn't matter. It, it, yeah, you know,
0: Newcastle fans did boycott. I boycotted under Mike Ashley and then didn't renew my season ticket, and now I find myself going most weeks, so mm. that means that makes me a, a weird person, you know, boycotting yeah. under Mike Ashley, but going back when the Piff are involved. But it's what can you do as a football fan? It's it's it's, it's different because there'll, be, there'll be Americans watching this thinking, Why don't you just pick a new franchise? It's not like that over here, is it? you like Newcastle's my local team, like I was born. 15 minutes up the road from the stadium that sort of stuff and it's just, it's, that's how you do it over here isn't it
1: yeah well I mean my brother tried to make me an Everton fan when I was a kid but like my dad and the rest of the family were like come on come on here's a red shirt and stuff
0: yeah, Tottenham have appointed Ange Postecoglou as head. but co- no, I always say Postecoglou, Postecoglou. There you go, I've nailed it in one. Uh, head coach after Celtic's domestic treble, uh, he'll join Spurs on July the first after two years at Celtic. Two years at Celtic in which he won back-to-back Scottish Premier League titles. Uh, apparently, Spurs held the talks with Postecoglou on Monday after agreeing to terms with Celtic. Daniel Levy has been talking. He said Ange brings a positive ment- uh, mentality and a fast attacking style of play. He has a strong track record of developing players and understanding the importance of the link from the academy everything that is important to our club roughly translated as we've wasted all our money on a stadium that looks like a toilet seat i hope he develops our youth academy players
1: <laughs> yeah I've, I've followed a few celtic fans on twitter and they weren't happy about seeing him go and i think they were less happy about the prospect of uh, brendan rogers potentially going back to celtic as well mm. um but it's it's a hell of a step up because I before Celtic I'd never heard of him, and I'm looking here at his managerial career. He's been a manager since 1996. And he's managed South Melbourne, Australia Under 17s, Australia Under 20s, Panacheiki, Panachaiki Greek, uh, Greek team, uh, Whittlesey Zebras, Brisbane Roar, Melbourne Victory, Australia, the Yokohama F Marino's, and then Celtic. So it's to go from Celtic to Tottenham's a uh, a jump uh, I, I mean wait and see Tottenham are such a weird team that you just I don't know I don't really expect anything of them anymore but depending on how they're feeling they could end up ninth or they could end up third
0: so yeah I really like the appointment because obviously they've gone down the big name route the last two managers with Mourinho and Conte and it hasn't worked. So why not give it to someone like Ange who I think he's very different to Brendan Rodgers in terms of like a manager coming down to the Premier League from Celtic. Because when Rodgers was up there, Rangers were nowhere, but now Rangers are back up there and still Ange is doing... Oh, bringing, bringing home the bacon to stick on the barbie, our first Australian reference of the podcast. I'm very sorry to all Australians watching. But I like, <laughs> I like, I just, I like listening to him talk. Obviously, that, that speech he was doing to his Australia team has been doing the rounds this week. It was just like that's spine-tingling stuff. We've seen the bit where he's tearing you know the wallpaper off the walls, shouting at people for not picking up runners or whatever it was or reacting mm. to some sort of thing. That I forget what team it was. Was that a Celtic team talk or somewhere else?
1: Oh, I'm not, I'm not Have too seen sure. It.
0: Yeah, no, I can't no. remember who it was. Yeah, but it was just because you never think the managers do that to footballers anymore. Just shout at them like you know when we were kids, and you would just get barked at by the football coach for no reason whatsoever. So it's yeah. good to see that. And I just like I like the fact that it's not one of the, you know, one of the the, the hip hop and happening names of football being given a chance in on one of the bigger teams. I just I like listening to him talk. I think he's he's obviously someone just going off at Celtic as well who gets the fan base. Like I saw his press conference after the trevor He's just like, I arrived, here and I was a joke. No, beat around the bush. I was a joke to everybody, but since then I've turned it around. and I think that was. I listened to a bit of talk sport this week when they were talking about it, and there just there was a Celtic fan ringing in, just saying he really gets what the fan base want from their team, and obviously Spurs, it's the Spursy way you hear about from years gone by—the attacking football, the flair, that sort of stuff. So it looks like that could be coming back under Postacoglu.
1: Yeah, you you can't really you can't put a price on uh, a manager who just gets it. Like Liverpool, we took it to Klopp straight away because we're just like he's. He likes a pint, he's a bit of a knobhead, he seems quite sound, he just, yeah, we, we, we like him. If, if the Tottenham fans buy into him, um, that can go a long way. I'm not too sure how his management style will work though, with some of the more, you know, the bigger egos in there as well. I mean, I can't imagine them trying to tear strips off, you know,
0: Richarlison or something like that. I reckon he um, could be one of the first to leave him, because it seems like uh Postecoglou has quite a high demand like high pressing style and mm. I can't I just I don't know what it is about Richarlison especially but I can't imagine him buying into that because yeah. you would think now with obviously Spurs are probably going to lose Harry Kane there was uh, big rumours at the start of the week saying he was going to go or Madrid will write off offer like him a a deal to replace Benzema and yeah. Benzema's gone to Saudi Arabia uh, so it looks like they're going to have to replace Kane but they've already got Richarlison there who feasibly feasibly could could play there <laughs> but you know he got one goal I think all season long um, in the league and it, it, it just in terms of that style there's there's got to be a way he can get through because Eddie Howe just obviously at Newcastle his high press style and getting the likes of even saint Maximan, I know Saint-Maximin probably going to leave Newcastle go to AC Milan apparently very soon but even he was buying into that and it seemed like under Steve Bruce before that he just had a free reign and you used to hear about him just Steve Bruce allowing him to go back to France every weekend to see his family and stuff like that yeah. which would tell you that he maybe he is a hard sort of character to manage but there must be a way to get it done and I think Ange could be the guy to get get them taken I think it all depends because obviously it all depends on how
1: Spares if they get if uh, Daniel Levy opens the checkbook because um, like you said if, if Kane goes they'll pro- probably make a t- tasty couple of quid on them I'd get 100, 100 million euros was getting said the other day yeah but would they reinvest all of that and if they even reinvested a decent chunk of that would they reinvest it correctly Um. They're one of the teams that I think it all hinges on their transfer window. Because, like you say, if if they lose
0: Harry Kane and don't replace him with anything good, they could be absolutely bogged for a few years. Yeah, who do you replace him with? I can't think of a name off the top of my head. He Who's maybe there was an Ivan Tony potentially before mm. you know what happened happened, but now he's probably not going to get a move this summer. Yeah, get, gets a half a Crystal Palace. Now he's not an out and out striker, but anything's got to be. Anything to fill that void, really. Yeah, you are probably going to have to go abroad, aren't you? Yeah. That that was the other thing with Poster Coglu as well, because just looking again, um, you know, don't watch too much SPFL when it, I do when it's on Sky on a Saturday afternoon and there's no Premier League on. Just looking at his transfer dealings, the, the players he did bring in, he did rely massively on like his knowledge of the Japanese League. Mm. Like there's the, the lad up front I've forgotten the name of completely in my Mide, uh, and other yeah. people like that. It seems like that won't work in the Premier League. It seems like there's a bit too much of a jump up for, for players like that. Who's up front? It's, it's, Kyogo, it's, that's the one. Yes.
1: Remembered. Ooh. Yeah, well, I mean, like I said, I haven't watched SPL for years, but the, the Celtic fans I follow on Twitter have seemingly really been enjoying their footy these last couple of seasons. And yeah, I, I, I won't lie, I'm not too familiar with Pastor Cogli, but something's got to give with
0: Tottenham, surely. Yeah. I just like the fact they haven't gone for one of the established names at the very tippy-top of the game like they have done for the past couple of times. Less fashionable stuff. It can yeah. work. It can work. Look at Eddie Howe. And speaking of Eddie Howe, I don't know why I've linked that to highlight of the week, but he's <laughs> a highlight of every week as Eddie Howe for me at the minute. So we'll go at the highlight of the week. Do you want to kick us off with yours? Yes. Well, I had, to, I had a choice
1: of three this week. But there's You're allowed one. <laughs> there's only one number one for me. I know, I know. It was uh, Toby Alderweireld's last-minute title clinching winner for Royal
0: Antwerp. That I mean, graphic, of there's the graphic where it was like minute by minute who was at the top of the league throughout that game. Three teams in it, by the way. I forget yeah. who the other, team, the other two teams were, but yeah. I'll you it talk was, about it. Yeah, well, it was, it was Union SG, Genk and
1: uh, Royal Antwerp. And I think it was the 89th minute SG could have won their first title since the 1930s. Two minutes later, it was in Genk's hands who were playing uh, Antwerp at Genk. So they were two on up. 94th minute... And you got Hometown Boy, Toby Alderweireld, I mean, he just swatted a top corner. Yeah. The scenes, as the kids like to say. Um, their first league title in sixty-six years. What a way to do it. They ended the season on forty seven points. Genk and SG were both on forty six. I mean,
0: bloody hell. That's a league, that like that's a league. Yeah. Um Apparently. But it's a wonderful story because, like, I saw uh, Alderweireld was it's been promised in his entire career. Like, once he's done it around Europe and won whatever he, you know, or come close to winning whatever he wanted to win, he would go back there and finish his career there. So to have yeah. that, having followed through with that as well, just adds to the story, doesn't yeah. it? And yeah, what was it? Mark van Bommel's the manager as well, is he? Yeah. Oh, I remember a goal he scored against England at White Hart Lane in a friendly back in like two thousand and one or something. He mm. twats it from like thirty five yards out right in the top corner.
1: Oh. Well, Remember the uh, World Cup 2010 with that uh, famous Jabalani coming down the left They he just batters it from about
0: 40 yards out and he just went... And he was doing all this, by the way, just in case you don't know Mark Van Bommel, he was doing all this with a 70s porn star perm. <laughs> I had a mate you
1: looked like Mark Van Bommel, so we called him Shark Van Bommel. Uh, <laughs> sure Why is, Shark? <laughs> because his nickname was Sharky and I just went, you look like Van Bommel, Shark Van Bommel. Fair enough. Is this because he had a massive hooter, like a shark does? No, he he just... uh, I don't even know why he was called sharky, but he just had, like, the the little eyes, like Van Bommels. Perhaps he just had little eyes like a shark. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough.
0: But a wonderful sense of smell, nonetheless. Yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my highlight of the week, I don't know where we were going there, but my highlight of the week has got to be Mark Noble go for a run in Prague. A football fan called Matt Groombridge, to give him his uh, name on Twitter. I hope that's his real name and not just an inappropriate nickname. Uh, he was just... <laughs> He's a big lad, right? So this is a fantastic start already. And he's obviously seen Mark Noble coming from a long way that way behind him. Mm. And so just as Mark Noble's approaching, that's when he's got his jog on. And the conversation goes like, he's like, Oh, Mark, how you doing? You're all right. And then Mark Noble replies, effing sweet, which is a lovely reply to say when you're on a run. Nevertheless, it just seems like Mark Noble's a lovely fella. A lovely man. Uh, yeah. So then, uh, Matt Groombridge then replies, "Hard work, this, brother." In it, as he's doing his little jog with a can of Pilsner in his hand. Mark, uh, sorry, Mark Noble, then asks, "What you got in your hand?" And he replies, "Pilsner." And that's how the video ends. It's a wonderful <laughs> little because so you would, you know, you run at the wrong footballer doing that, and they'll just. Probably give you a little slap for it. interrupting their very crucial, like you know, warm yeah. down, warm up, whatever it is. I know Mark Noble's not playing anymore, but you know, going for a run in the morning and whatnot. Uh, so, just to see a little interaction like that. The big lad with a can in hand, <laughs> love it. Just it was a fantastic little moment.
1: <laughs> and the fact he didn't keep it on going too long, I mean, like you said, he was half cut in the morning, so he probably couldn't have ran for too much longer. But the fact he was just like, right, do you think we're going to win? See you later, Noble. Have a good one. And it was just lovely. Um, our former colleague, uh, Mitch is in with West Ham and I know the fans but from what we heard from him as well, just everyone at that club loves him. And just seeing this, you're just like, ah, he's, he's all right, Mark
0: Navelini. Yeah, there was the the, the footage as well after the semi final where I think he was in a bar and he was Office face, Mark Noble this is, by the way, not Mitch, Mark Noble, and he's just like, Sambook is all round. There was one guy behind him, I think he was just like, he missed him off, and the guy was like, oh, where's mine? He's like, one more, get him in. He's just getting the getting the is in for the lads. <laughs> just stuff you don't think would happen anymore, but quite clearly it does. It's wonderful to see. Yeah, lovely, lovely, because
1: I, I hadn't seen this until um, you'd messaged me in the weekend. oh, have you seen this? Sent it to us, I was like, oh, is this what you want to say? Like, Noble looks made up to see this fella as well. Like you he said, he's just like, what is it, effing lovely? Oh, yeah. brilliant.
0: Effing sweet. Effing sweet. Yeah. Sweet is a gnat. Anyway, we go from the <laughs> highlight of the week to the twat of the week. I'll go first. I'll just, I've copied this from Liverpool Echo. Here's the report here. A man has been charged by the Metropolitan Police for wearing a shirt that appeared to mock the Hillsborough disaster at Saturday's FA Cup final between Manchester United and Manchester City. Type of name and shame. This absolute whopper. James White, 33 of Warwickshire, has been charged with displaying threatening or abusive uh, right and likely to cause harassment, alarm, or distress. He was bailed uh, to appear. He was bailed to appear at Wilsden or Wilsden Magistrate Court in London on Monday, June the 19th. You've all seen the picture, I'm sure, on social media. We don't need to share it here. I don't. know. I don't know first and foremost, who or how he got it printed. That's that's a question that needs to be asked as well. Because mm. it looked like the official print as well. On a, it looked like. Excuse me, it looked like an official shirt as well. God, me, me little bow bun from earlier is coming up for some revenge there, Jack. It looked like it was official print, so how's that one got through the through the cracks? But then just what he's trying to achieve with it, because it, there's poking fun between fan bases is one thing, but then doing that about that is a completely different other thing, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I know
1: this isn't the point of it. The fact that it, was, it wasn't even... Liverpool weren't involved. Yeah. It's like and Liverpool fans we've been knobbed about United about uh, Munich but it's just it needs to stop um, and the what about and the point scoring online when Liverpool fans and Liverpool outlets got you know obviously pissed off about this and they were just like oh what about Heisel and it's like can we just not can we just yeah. not at least at least he was he's been did you say he's been charged remanded in custody
0: yeah he's been bailed yeah so the, it's the only way it's it's going to stop is with oh yeah it has been charged com- so charged with displaying threatening or abusive writing
1: yeah, yeah it, we've got to come down on this kind of thing because we i think we were saying on a, a previous podcast with certain homophobic Chelsea chances starting to die down because there's the, the threat of sanctions, stadium bans you know poss- possible um prosecution as well it's it's just it's it's just arsehole behavior, absolute arsehole behavior.
0: It's common sense as well, because like, yeah, you know, football. You know, you know, I don't want to use the word banter, but you know what I'm trying to say. Football banter between fans has certain bounds and limits, doesn't it? And yeah. that common sense has got to be there. You know, you can joke about one thing with Liverpool fans or any sort of fan base, but something like Hillsborough, it just needs to be. It happened, you know. Just leave it alone in terms of like, you know, the, the back and forth between two sets of fans. Yeah, exactly. If I'm going to take the piss out of United fans, I might, you know, laugh at.
1: Alex Ferguson looking upset when they lose or stuff like that, but there's a line, like you said, it can go from between, to use the word, banter to just being a complete wank, really Uh, I I don't think Twitter helps because I think Twitter football discourse at the best of times is awful and that's coming from us who are used to the wrestling discourse on Twitter as well, (laughs) it's just it's a cesspit It, it needs to stop, it needs to stop yeah. Who's your twat of the week? Well, uh, aside from uh, who were we just talking about then, it's
0: it's Bernardo Silva. Um, <laughs> every, every week. Can you explain for newcomers what this obsession is with yours, with Bernardo Silva? He's, He's a lovely Portuguese man who has a dog called John because he has a fondness for John Stones. That's where he starts and ends for me. He is a disrespectful arsehole who...
1: Hates us, so we hate him, and I never want to see him. He's one of those players I never want to see happy. Uh, when they gave us a guard of honor, he didn't join in. I'm sure he started. Uh, they were on a coach somewhere, and he started l- singing anti-Liverpool songs. I'm just like, get in the benny little. Rat. Is, there,
0: is there a reason for this? Why the hatred's there? Do you know? No, no, uh, not, not that I'm aware
1: of. I think it was just like we, our fans probably just gave him some stick one week, and he was just like, right, that's it then. No idea where it comes from. Um, it probably is our fault. Who knows? But yeah, I'm just uh, no. I don't want to see him happy. But he's not actually my twat of the week. It's uh, it's the Roma fans. We touched on it before. Um, the 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 footage of Anthony Taylor trying to get through the the airport as well. The one place you're not going to dick around is the airport because you could get shot. Mm-hmm. I mean um, his daughter is terrified she's crying he's leading her in front someone tries to go for him and they've got like a handler with them who chins someone someone throws a drink at his wife and it's whether he's had a good game or a bad game you shouldn't be harassing the man in public someone throws a chair and you was saying about the, the we were saying about the, the the difference in culture and the passion of Italian football fans but you know Roma fans, these are the ones who battered Sean Cox outside Anfield for no reason. Um, so I've not got a lot of love for elements of the Roma fan base. Uh, and I think hooliganism in general is a weird thing, because we're talking with one of my mates about this. If you've got two rival firms who are up for a score, you're never going to stop young, angry men, mainly, wanting a fight. If they agree... Right, we'll meet here. Our firm, your firm. Let's have a scrap. No weapons. Fine. Fair enough. Yeah, but if you're gonna target innocent people, it's just it's arsehole, Assholes. I don't. Yeah, I, I didn't like seeing it. It was it was a tough watch, and I like the fact that online a lot of people will call now. It wasn't people just going "Hey, wanker. It was just "Oh no, that's uh, that's not very nice, though." Yeah. Because everyone had the laugh about Mourinho waiting for him in the car park at first, but like you said before, when it's led to this, you're just
0: like, this this isn't great, it's not a great look. No, nah, and it's all down to Mourinho, I think. He just escalated things to a completely different level, so we spoke about that earlier on, but yeah, yeah. the whole hooligan, it feels like it's dying down, but then you see stuff like this, and it just, it feels like a thing that maybe isn't getting reported on, Yeah, like it used to. Yeah, because there's not
1: as much of a problem in this country. Obviously, there's there's still a problem. Um, I've known a few old hardheads from the eighties. Uh,
0: I've met in pubs, and I'm just like, oh, they they frighten me a little bit. Uh, hey, I I got it firsthand. Me when I went to Euro 2016 following England, like the designated like England section for like pre-drinks before the game and whatnot. They go to these pubs, England fans. Mm. It was on the marina in Marseille. And then all of a sudden there's like maybe a couple of thousand England fans down this marina, you know, scorching hot day in the middle of summer in France. And then all of a sudden we just hear this commotion as two lads run through the England fans and they had like broken off bottles and they were just like clipping people as they were going through. And these two lads darted up this alleyway, which was sort of like to the side of where where we were all drinking at the top of this alleyway. There was just this mob of Russian fans. They had, like, machetes and all sorts of weapons and whatnot. And down they came. And it was just a case of, like, whoever wants to fight, please defend the rest of us who don't want to fight. I was stood on the edge of the marina ready to jump into the sea. It was that terrifying. But then eventually, after sort of five to ten minutes, then the the authorities came with the big water tanks and whatnot, and they all got split up. But that sort of organised hooliganism... You don't. I think it is a case that it just doesn't get reported on like it used to because it it doesn't seem like much of a widespread issue anymore, even though it quite clearly is. Yeah, I watched the I watched a documentary on like the the organised
1: Russian hooligans and they're amazing in the way that they they properly train and you know yeah. MMA style training and techniques and that, and they do still see the English fans as like the main trophy because of you know the, the widespread hooliganism. The late seventies and especially the eighties, but if it's like I said, if it's if it's two sets of people being like, right, let's have a fist fight. I don't condone it, but if everyone agrees to it, fine. But like you said, just what what are you achieving by glassing someone?
0: We go back to the back of the boss of the whoever the cause it feels like there's going to be a boss in that sort of situation and say, oh look, boss, here's what I did that sort of stuff. Yeah. The guy who puts on the training in the fields with the dogs and whatnot. But yeah, because yeah, th- then after that game, it was, I think it was a 1 1 draw or a 2 2 draw. I remember Eric Dyer scored a free kick anyway for England. Mm. Then immediately at full time, they hopped the barricades into the England fans, and it was a case of trying to get out of the stadium, which is hard enough anyway on occasions like that with the amount of people there. Obviously, a big stadium like the Velodrome as well in, in Marseille. Yeah. And then working your way through Marseille. Avoiding these big fights that were going on everywhere, it was like a like a war scene. Just trying to get back to your hotel as quick as possible. It was horrible to be when you don't want to be involved in that sort of situation. I bruise like a peach, because I don't want to be involved in fighting.
1: It's like a uh, the World Cup in a few years when they're hosting it between USA, Canada, and Mexico. Like I love the idea of going to Mexico to watch football, but I'll be approaching forty then. I don't really fancy getting concussed, so am yeah. I might I
0: might. I might leave it. I might knock out on the head. Yeah, that game was the main reason I stopped following England. I just thought because there was a little because I did the like the entire campaign up until Euro twenty sixteen. I picked a, wor- a world class town to be an England fan, mm. watching Harry Kane take corners and Andros Townsend scoring the in uh, Juventus Stadium. But uh, just there was a couple of instances, especially in that away game in Turin. I was just saying things. It's just like it's not it's not worth the potential danger because it was just like the World Cup after year twenty sixteen was obviously in Russia and mm. I was just like there's I know it apparently went off without a hitch and there wasn't too much trouble but it's not worth it when you think about like you, yeah. you we're relatively safe going to a football game over here like you never you never see it I mean me following Newcastle you never see really see trouble no um, but it just doesn't seem worth it anymore yeah my, my old barber was a, a traveling Liverpool fan. Um,
1: he used to go to the European games and he used to skip Italy because I think he said he'd been once or twice and it was just so moody that he was just like, I'm not getting involved. And um, One of my my girlfriend's best mates, uh, they were going to some away games in Europe last season and she's only been a Liverpool fan for a few years but her, like boyfriend's a season ticket and he was like, we'll make a holiday out of it. And I had to text her saying, just by the way, you are not going to Italy to watch football. I was like, don't do it. And she was like, Oh yeah, I've already been told we're not going. Um again that's that's tar and all of Italy with a brush, but if they got a reputation for it.
0: Yeah. And I saw it first. Like even I went to Germany away as in England finding and nothing happened there as far as well, so yeah. This is just yeah, sorted out Italians for goodness' sake. None of which are watching this podcast. Anyway, we move on to one of the Italian icons of all times, the Roberto Mel oh. Hey, he's done it. He's done it. The onion bag, the mail bag, whatever it's going to be called. Let us know in the comments down below what the official name should be. We'll kick things off. Hello, Ross and Jack. Hope you're both doing well. I just wanted to ask, what game or moment in a game made you realise that you loved football? For me, it was Puma. Oh, never know, Puma's UNAM versus Tigres' UNAL. Mm. Uh, or U-A-N-L. I don't know what, what's going on here. In the second leg of the Liga MX Apertura final in 2015, to keep it short and sweet, we went into the game 3-0 down from the first leg. We won the second leg 3-0 after 90 minutes, meaning we tied uh, the aggregate score and went to extra time. Both teams went on to score one each in extra time and sadly my beloved Puma, or Pumas, uh, lost in uh, lost on penalties 4-2. I do recommend watching the highlights of this game whenever you have the chance because uh, it was one of the greatest games I've ever watched and I'm saying that as a fan of the team who lost in the final. The, there are so many details missing uh, uh, that truly explain why this was the game that made me realise that I had a passion for football. Maybe I'll write it again and mention those details another day but for now what game or moment in a game made you realise that you had a love slash passion for football big fan of the channel and everything you both do and I forgot to write down the name <laughs> <laughs> so while you say your moment I will quickly google the name. You, the name you'll be surprised at this Ross
1: you're 96 England versus Scotland wow yeah that's the it's the first time at how old I seven so it was the first time I remember properly just going mad for football because um, World Cup 94, I was too young. I had a bit of the stuff. I remember even before that, I remember being a little kid and dancing to World in Motion and stuff like that. Just imagine, like, two foot tall, big beard, bald head. Oh, what a sight it was. <laughs> um, But I, I I properly got footy fever in 96. It was the first time. Like I'd, my dad would have the footy on. I'd watch bits, and my brother... We'd have football at uh Italia on and watch bits, but this was like right cool. I kind of know what's going on, everyone's excited. And I, I it was in 2020 when ITV were re showing um someone that I think were they showing all of England's run or were they showing all the important matches from Euro
0: 96? I think it showed the entire like England's run at the final, didn't it? Yeah,
1: and I put on the England Scotland game and just. That Gaza goal is still incredible, but as a little kid, I loved Paul Gascoigne. I loved him. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was because, like I said, nineteen ninety, when he was the shining beacon of the English game, everyone just used to go Gaza Jack, pretend to be Gaza, and I'd just kick a ball and just shout Gaza and run off. But it was. That was when I properly got involved. I remember watching the uh, England Germany match and crying my little eyes out on the little portable telly when England got knocked out. And after that, I was just like, this is boss. I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. Yourself? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, well, I got forced into football just because. My mum wanted me to do something on the weekend, so we used to get forced to go to this, initially forced to go to this little like football club on a Saturday morning at nine o'clock at the local leisure centre, just having to kick about and stuff, toe poking it because I didn't know how to to kick a ball yet. But then I I remember vividly, and you'd be shocked by this one as well, watching that FA Cup final where Sander Vesterveld saved a penalty in Cardiff. Yeah. What year was that? 2000, 2001, something like that? I want to say 2001. I want to say 2001, but I remember watching that FA Cup final and seeing that and seeing the scenes of Vesterveld going radio rental, then immediately going into the garage with my little brother, and we used to have this, like, foam football that my mum used to let us kick around the garage, just in case we knocked any of the plant pots or anything in there, you know what I mean? So just And just me being Vesterveld and just diving on the whole hard, cold, concrete floor of my garage <laughs> with a little puddle in the corner. I remember just trying to ev- evade the puddle every single time. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and then just from there... Just wanted to play more and more football, and then just getting involved and getting better at football when you were a kid, and just getting, you know, just playing football whenever you could, like at school or whatnot, and then you get picked for your county and stuff like that, and it's all kicking off. And then, yeah, just from that Sander moment, that was like, wow, this is amazing. Because, I mean, man, obviously, saw that, and then I remember the season after was the, well, very soon after was the 01 Season which like was my first season of like being fully conscious of what was going on. We had the premiership on ITV, which I think started at like seven, or seven o'clock or something, then got pushed back yeah. until like what time match of the day is on now. That was on the 01 02 season, so that was there with Big Des just sitting in the front room with your, your, your pizza watching that it was fantastic. And then just, yeah, it's spiraled for me from that Sanderville final, whatever whatever game that was. Yeah, and you, you didn't get a Liverpool Poker straight away. Absolutely not. I'm from Newcastle.
1: <laughs> Doesn't stop some people.
0: <laughs> was it o one then? Was, yeah, it, the was one it where a... Michael,
1: Michael Owen scored. It was it was o one because it was part of our weird treble right. of FA Cup, League Cup, and uh, Europa. Well, the the UEFA Cup. The weirdest treble of all time. Mm. But um, yeah, bloody hell!
0: What 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 a what a first match to be introduced into the. I can remember that, that little session in the in the garage vividly, diving yeah. and getting bruised all up my side, because I was literally like, you know, how old would I have been? it I would have been eight or seven years old, maybe six or seven, and then mm. just diving on the conc- on concrete floor in the garage. remember I miss being that young. Imagine it, doing that now. We'll oh, be in hospital for a week. Just thinking about it makes me hurt. My back hurts all the time. <laughs> um, did you ever put a window in with a football as a kid? No, I came close on a fair few occasions. I, there was a we used to. Have, it was called the Circle in our estate, and it used to have like a garage wall. Which then, obviously, behind the garage wall was somebody's garden, and in the garden was a conservatory. And one day, I would try to do a Beckham, you know, that sort of era when Beckham was swatting it in against grease and whatnot, and it went over the over the bar, over the garage because well, the bar was drawn on the garage wall, so it went over the garage and just hit this conservatory at a rate of knots. And mm. you, know, you can some that horrible feeling where you've hit a window, and you can sometimes hear it wobbling. Yeah. Like backwards and forwards. That noise and I was just don't turn it into like a big old smash. And it didn't, but that's the closest I came off. Not not forgot that one either. Must have been about ten years old maybe when that <laughs> one happened. I, I put through our neighbour's
1: window I must it must have been ninety-nine or two thousand. There was a there was an Adidas. It must have been a Predator advert where it was people trying to do the Beckham free kick. And someone just goes, great big looping banana shot. So <laughs> my front gate, you had the two gate posts, and then you had next door's gate as well, two gate posts. So we used my two gate posts and the one gate post there, and it made a decent-sized goal. And it was me and my friend Colin Peckham, and we were
0: we just shut up, Colin Peckham. Colin? Colin. You're only 34, whatever, aren't you? Yeah, I'm 34, and I have a you friend had, called you Colin. Had a, you had a friend called Colin, and you, that's astonishing, that. There was a lad in my class called Clint. I thought your Collins and your Nigels especially would have died out in the 80s. Oh, no, sorry, 70s to go back no, a bit further. No,
1: 1988, there was a little little boy born in uh, Merseyside called Colin. Um, Hello, Colin. So, so we were taking it in turns just to try and just, you know, curl in free kicks. I can't remember if it was a flyaway or a sponge football. It wasn't a hard ball ball. And I just absolutely towed it into next door's window. It was a thin pane of glass, instantly shattered. We ran into my house. Luckily, no one heard it. And we kind of looked outside and saw my neighbour holding a ball like, who's this? And my conscience got the better of me. And I was like, sorry, Don, that was me. And uh, I think he only charged me 40 quid. But at the age of 10, that's a lot of money. Uh, Oh, that's a year's worth of pocket money at that age, isn't it? Yeah, I didn't see any pocket money for a good while after that. I tell you what, though that's hard luck with either a foam ball or a penny floater. Yeah, I don't know if I don't know if the foam ball was soaking wet and therefore weighed like seventeen pounds. But I remember being shocked, being like, "Am I that good? Is my foot like a traction engine?" It was just, it was just an old window.
0: Up <laughs> oh, the double glazing. Right, hello. <laughs> Hello, I'm currently writing to you in a pool of sweat and tears at the thought of losing my beloved manager, Big Ange to Tottenham Hotspur. I would like to get this perspective from uh, fans of English football, so for this reason, I am writing in. I'm a season ticket holder at Celtic, and I know the standard of the league isn't very good. The winner of the league gets £3 million in prize money. I didn't realise it was that low, although I guess it makes sense with the... The size of stadiums and whatnot yeah. up there, by and large. Uh, however, uh, why do so many English football fans look down on players, last managers that come from Scotland? Ange would be absolutely brilliant appointment if given the time, which England, which in England is impossible. And I've seen a lot of fans on Twitter turning their nose up at the thought of his appointment. Insert my nan could score forty in that pub league, etc., etc. I don't know if she could, she wasn't that good. Um, <laughs> I understand the golfing class between the English and the Scottish leagues, but the TV money has a lot to do with it, obviously. Yeah. Uh, Celtic and I, Celtic and I hate to say it but Rangers as well are big clubs with a big fan base. Spurs don't deserve Ange, but it looks like it's all but done. As obviously said in before it was done. Very sad times. And that comes from David Moore. So why uh, why do so many English fans look down on players, managers that come from Scotland? I've got an answer straight away as a Newcastle what? fan. Jean-Alain Boomsom. <laughs> End of discussion. <laughs> £8 million, pounds I think we paid for him. Yeah. I was better when I was two years old. He was absolutely shocking. He showed, to be fair, he showed promise. It was just the physicality, maybe, that mm. got the better of him. And concentration. And playing alongside Titus Bramble. There was a lot of reasons, right? But he didn't help himself at all. He was terrible. I mean, we didn't sign him directly
1: from Scotland, but obviously Andy Robertson, mm. great. He's won everything with Liverpool. He's a little arsehole, but he's our little asshole. It's a strange one, because you go back to the 90s and the Scottish League had some players in
0: there. The had... 90s was a halcyon time for, for Scottish football. And even into the early noughties, like that Celtic yeah. team that got the Europa, the Europa League finals, as, as it would be called now, were Harton and Sutton and Petrov and... Yeah. Hendrik Lawson battering everyone
1: for a few years.
0: Yeah. Gazza Gattuso
1: for a bit was... Was he at uh, Rangers? Um, yeah. Dano Jackie Pezzo. McNamara. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think... I don't know. I don't know if it is... Because for years, there was always the rumour, wasn't it? It was like, oh, do, do, we do Rangers and Celtic split off from the Scottish League and come over to England and everyone would be like, oh, there'd be relegation battlers. Um, I don't know if it is just the fact that there is. it's not those golden years of the 90s and 2000s anymore. There's still good players there, but it seems like they do need seasoning. I don't look down
0: on Scottish football, but as I said before, I haven't watched it for a long, long time. It's just the um, gap. I think the big issue for a lot of people down here, and this is me, you know, trying to speak on behalf of people, which is always a wrong thing to do. But in my opinion, it's just the gap between. Obviously, the gap wasn't there for the last ten years, but the gap now again between Celtic and Rangers and the rest of them, yeah, as a competition, just sort of ruins it for you. I know that obviously there's, there's leagues around the world that are the same. You know, you think of Spain, you think of Germany. Well, maybe not Germany. To in latter years but you know by and large Germany's in the same thing yeah. France I guess with PSG it's that gap between the two big teams and the rest of them you know you see I like, know disrespect to any fans of like you know Dundee United or whatever Ross County watching them but you look at what they are and it's the when you see it on TV just the sort of I don't know. you you just think it's not a Premier League setting and I know we have yeah. like teams like Bournemouth and Bournemouth's ground isn't that big and Luton obviously coming up this year and that adds a bit of charm to it, I get that but it feels like there's too much of that and then you get Celtic and Rangers up there who are streets ahead and that ruins it as a competition maybe I don't hmm. know if that's something you agree with I, I don't know if th- we, we'd have to ask more Scottish football fans but for those fans
1: of the other other teams um, you know, aside from, you know Hearts, Hibs, Rangers, Celtic. For the rest of it, it has there been a bigger as a greater following grown for rugby over the years and stuff that people are just like, ah, oh, there's no point of and they turn the back on the game is is there less appetite for it maybe? I'm not too sure. That's just yeah. pl- plucked out my ass as a
0: I don't know what's gone on kind of thing, but yeah, and potentially. Yeah, that, that's it. From just a, a purely like sort of team perspective, so you look at players coming down, they don't have the greatest success record, do they? Because you you think of you know Robertson's obviously he he books the trend, but you think of like Yelovich was tearing things up in Scotland. And he comes down to Everton. Yes, yeah, I think he had a good start for Everton. Yeah, he did. And then yeah. he died off. But it feels like whenever someone comes down for a, a fair chunk of money from Scotland, by and large, they don't quite hit the heights they did up in Scotland. So it tells you that maybe the Scottish league is a, a couple of rungs below the Premier League.
1: Yeah, because I remember when um, the formerly Scouse Cafu, John Flanagan, when he went over to Scotland, and some of us at the time were just like, oh, is that a step down for him, or has he found his level kind of thing? Because he was, he was all right for a little bit for us, but then dropped off and personal life issues and stuff. But there does... Yeah, I had not even contemplated before, but that, there is a kind of unspoken stigma.
0: Because you look at as a Newcastle fan again, James Tavernier is obviously... Yeah. Rangers captain. Now he's, I think he scored like a hundred goals for Rangers last, like uh, getting up to hundred goals, going past that last season as a right back. Like at Newcastle, he had a couple of little sniffs, but you're thinking, oh, he's, he's all right," but maybe you know, the championship's going to be his level. He then goes around a few clubs. I think he went to Wigan in the championship and stuff like that. Then he joined Rangers when they weren't obviously in the Premier League, and he's developed into one hell of a like a Scottish League player, like, yeah, Scottish Premier League player. Like he's one of the he's got just from again looking at stuff like Rangers and Celtic on TV, he looks like one of the better players in the league up there at the moment. Yeah. Like he's he's scoring 100 goals from right back, for goodness sakes. Um, but again, <laughs> it's just that stuff like he couldn't make it at Newcastle and he couldn't make it at certain teams around the Football League down here in England. He's gone up to Scotland and he sort of added to that sentiment that the Scottish League is a couple of rungs, even maybe maybe even below the Championship. You look at like Tavernier as a, as a case study, potentially.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, if you were a player and you had the... Ch- it's a weird one isn't it? if you had the choice between going to the championship and thinking right you could be in a very competitive league and hopefully get to the Premier League or go to Scotland and think you could end up in Europe
0: it's and with lots of medals yeah, potentially yeah, yeah it's yeah, it's a I, weird, it's, you just got to take a it's a case-by-case case thing because they have as you say Robertson I'm sure I'm struggling to think of Stephen Naismith did a job for Everton for years people like that that do come down Peter Lovinrantnz at Newcastle he came down and he was a very solid player hmm. um for us uh, not a good you know point of our history but he was still one of the better players on the pitch for
1: us when, um, um, when Fergie was still at United and he was just taking all the best Scottish players
0: to be his B team really wasn't it like um... Andy Gorham yeah. <laughs> that was a weird one. That yeah. was a weird transfer. Um, but yeah, it's, it's got to take it on case by case, I think. But I, that, I think that stigma largely comes from the fact you just when you watch it on TV and you just see it, it just doesn't look... I know that's the wrong way to look at things, but I think that's, that's me trying to explain why I think it is looked down so much by English fans. I mean, it's as good an answer as any, I suppose. Yeah. Let us know what you think in the comments down below. Final question. Hi, Ross and Jack. being thoroughly enjoying the content in the podcast Uh And the podcast is an excellent addition. My question to you guys is regarding season tickets. I'm a Newcastle fan and have been for 10 years but living in Cardiff. I've never had a chance to see Newcastle play live. Now I'm turning 18 and have my own money to spend. I've been looking at buying a season ticket. Transportation to Newcastle for 19 games plus any other games I could possibly attend that aren't included in the season ticket, by the way, just in case you didn't know. It will not be cheap, however... Factoring that I probably can't afford, uh, I probably can't attend every game due to the the costs and work. Is it still worth purchasing a season ticket to see the mighty Toon and attending every game I can, or looking at a package deal for a one-off game instead? Kind regards, fellow magpie or fellow magpie Finn. P.S. How does Europa feel, Jack? He's had a little barb at you. Oh, he's, oh, had oh, little oh. little. he's had a little nibble. <laughs>
1: um, to start with, how does Europa feel? All right, I suppose. It, hopefully. We can give some of our lesser seen players a bit more game time. Um, you know, tinker with the tactics, try some stuff out, and hopefully,
0: hopefully, win the bastard. <laughs> <laughs> you think he'd be one of the favourites, surely? Even with you know the, the Champions League dropouts and whatnot. Yeah, um, but it's, but it's, as as for the question, I think it's a you just don't don't get the season ticket. One, because it's going to be impossible for you. I mean, yeah. I'm a Newcastle fan who's got a, like a club membership and I went to a, f- like a fair few games towards the end of the season there and I've got no chance of getting a season tick because of the waiting list. There's no point in trying. Um <laughs> Just buy a ticket for a game as and when you can make it if they're still available. That's what you gotta do. Just look for when the general, uh, general sale goes on and just get your your laptop or whatever loaded up a couple of hours before the window opens at ten a.m. Just have your page loaded ready because that's how you get a good place in the queue. Get your ticket for the game. Get your travel sorted and then that's it.
1: Yeah, uh, that's kind of said about myself. Um, I lived in London when twenty ten. And my boss was a Liverpool fan and he used to do the same. He'd be like, right we've got these games coming up. Do you want a ticket? I'm going to hop on and try and get it for you. And it was just a case of being online at the right time and trying to figure it out. I don't know how Newcastle works now, but liverpool it's a right fanny on to try and get tickets off people now for Liverpool. We've, um,
0: we've like, I've got a group of like five or six pals who I go with and we literally have just been opening browser windows at like, you know, an hour or two before mm. the, uh, the, the 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 what's the way I put it? Like you know, it goes on sale at ten a.m. So we log on at seven or eight in the morning, just have the browser open with you, yeah. the page ready, and then when it, obviously it, it all goes live, you then get your place in the queue and it worms its way down. And then without thinking, now we just go for level seven, just try and we go for that little block of like block of seats next to the away fans because mm. we know there's going to be tickets available there. We could try and get tickets lowered down, but it's not it's not worth the hassle of like. Going through all because you have to in Newcastle you have to click on a section of seats then they pop up and show you what's available but you're not guaranteed to know if you can get like five together so we just go top level seven right at the top it's a good view from up there gets bad press so we know we're going to get tickets there so we just go go for that one straight away yeah and then go to
1: Pizza Punks beforehand as well yep it's yeah. tradition now
0: <laughs> superstitious yeah I just
1: usually find a mate who can't go and be like yeah I'll take your ticket off you but now you've got to you've got to have a can't remember what it's got like a supporters profile online, and you've got to download uh, a digital wallet, and you've got to add your friends. You can't just get your ticket off some random fella. You can have it transferred to you via
0: ads. That's a bit. That's a bit of messed up. We've all. You have to pay. What, I think it's thirty six pound a season to be a member of the club, yeah. and then you link your memberships together. And then when you're buying the tickets, you assign one ticket to each member. So yeah, you need a membership as well yeah. to to do what I said earlier. Well, I was told recently that.
1: Um, this season as well you've got to have your friends list sorted before the season starts you can't add people afterwards so I'm going to have to message all my mates and be like can I be cheeky and jump on your friends list just in case Um, years ago my cousins had dodgy season tickets uh, before they did an amnesty what does that mean? dodgy season tickets? they were real season tickets but what people used to do was you know if they decided I can't be arsed having a season ticket anymore they'd still buy it and then sell it on if you know what I mean, for the for the full ticket, it wouldn't be match by match. They sell the full ticket. So my cousin uh, Mike, I think his season ticket was under the name of Charlotte or something like that. And I used to take it off him sometimes. They didn't check. They just scan it, and you were through. Um, and then they had an amnesty to basically say, look, if you've got a season ticket which isn't in your name, you know, come forward, we'll sort it out. And obviously, the the waiting list for season tickets was going on for years and years and years. And we've got the extended. Annie Road end opening soon and apparently the waiting list was, I don't know if it was paused and closed or if it was completely just shut off and being like you, you've, you've missed your chance kind of thing so I'm waiting for that to open and seeing if it's a case of being like number 45,000 in line or being like oh crap I'm number
0: 6 because if I get old of one I'm getting old of one yeah big time but uh, do you have to buy a club membership as well to get onto that friends list thingy no uh, to, to buy general sale tickets,
1: you got to buy your club membership for a year. But just for this friends and family one, um, because I, I came back to Liverpool right at the end of the season. My mate told me through it. He was like, yeah, it's only been like this for like the last season. He's like, got to do this, this, this and this. Add me, add a, add this, sorted. And that didn't cost me a penny. But yeah, I'm going to have to get a proper membership and all that sorted for start of the season at least. You know how much yours costs? Probably about 35, 40 quid. Yeah, I was just 36. Oh, yeah. Comparisons not, not,
0: between memberships, eh?
1: Not like the the glory days, like, uh, what, what did I famously say once? It was uh, 25, 25 quid for a Tramia season ticket.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to price up a Gator one for a season ticket in the North East, I think, now. Yeah. It's, it's, the, the numbers you hear for the waiting list now in Newcastle is like a ridiculous. Like, you hear, but for for season tickets, it says you hear, like, 30,000. There was an old fellow speaking to a few weeks back at the, I think it was just before the Leicester game, 60,000. He was like, saying as well. So it's just it's getting a ticket is hard when you're you're doing well. Oh God. I think that's yeah. the moral of the story we've worked out there. So we end this week's podcast with the big questions segment and the news broke 17 minutes to be precise just before we sat down to record here that Lionel Messi has chosen to go to Inter Miami uh, the former Barcelona player is set to reject a uh, lucrative move moved to Saudi Arabia Al-Hilal that team over there to go to Inter Miami um, he was apparently waiting for a deal from Barcelona as well he apparently was apparently in talks with Barcelona yeah. this week but that, that didn't happen for such an emotional return I wish he went back to Barcelona but it can't, it can't be for whatever reason uh, the Miami deal uh, just in case you're wondering it is going to be uh, a collaborative From brands like Adidas and Apple, because that is what football is these days. Apparently, he wanted to remain in Europe for another season, but had no satisfactory offers, and it was a straight choice between Inter Miami or Al Hilal, and he's going to Inter Miami. So, today's big question, as you can see down below, is how good are you that Phil Neville will not be managing Lionel Messi? We were two (laughs) weeks, I think, away from Phil Neville demanding respect. From Lionel Messi, show me some effing respect," he said in that press conference. The idea of of Phil Neville trying to tell
1: Lionel Messi what to do just <laughs> sent my head to the moon. I could not get my head around it. Imagine him just being like, uh, "Mr. M- Mr. Messi, sir, uh, can can you do this?" And then just being like. No, I'm just going to do what I want because I'm clearly the best player
0: in this league. And i be like, yeah, great, thank you, thank you. you. just imagine him sitting down going, right, Lionel, I've got this thing that Jordi Cruyff used to do back at Manchester United back in 1999 when we won the treble. And I want you to start playing like Jordi Cruyff, maybe even Ryan Giggs. Giggs can't even lace Lionel Messi's boots, never mind the Yordi Cruyff. The Yordi Cruyff, that's right. (laughs) We actually had someone like Jonathan Greening come through. And something I liked about Jonathan Greening's game is the way he used to cut inside with his right foot, Lionel. Lionel, you should play like Jonathan Greening. What you
1: need to do, you need need to get yourself a fishing rod, like Lee Sharp, beautiful angler, beautiful angler with sharp. And what you need to do to clear your head, get down to the Miami sound and,
0: oh, catch some catch bass or something. I don't know. <laughs> I t- Listen to Phil Level talk. It's funny at the at the most normal of times, but hearing him try to be a football manager, I can't do it without voice. I know it's hmm. hard to pick on someone for their voice because you, you're born with it. There's not much you can do about it. Um, but hearing him yeah. try to demand respect in that press conference is one of my highlights of last season. Just it's... the fact that after he kicks off, and then goes, sorry, sorry, could you ask me the question again? It's...
1: <laughs> It's not the fact that it's just his voice, either. It's the fact that it's Phil Neville.
0: <laughs> <I know. laughs> Combine the two. Um... Why is Phil Neville looked down on so much? Because he had one hell of a career. He was at Man United for, what, seven, eight, nine years in the first team. He goes to Everton. You know, they didn't win anything, but they were always, you know... He was captain, six. wasn't he? Yeah. yeah, captain of Everton playing centre midfield. There's always that game where he wiped out Ronaldo, which mm. obviously got everyone on side. He was a hell of a Premier League player, but there's this... That, Lack of respect for Phil Neville that's there with every football fan, probably apart from the Neville family themselves.
1: (laughs) He's just been waiting to snap for the best part of 20 years, hasn't he? He really has. Is it because he's Gary's brother? Is that all he is? I think it must be. It must be. And the fact that his brother was, even though they won the same... the same trophies up until a point at Man United, just the fact that Gary Neville was ten times the player of the Phil Neville was as well.
0: <laughs> I mean, was he ten times the player? Is it more is it not just a case This is me playing devil's adventure, by the way, is it not just a case that Phil Neville could never nail down a position like Gary did? Um be, <laughs> I'll be kind and I'll say that's but that could come into play, yes. <laughs> I've just realised how pink I am. I went East Kill excuse me, I went East Kill Bride last Saturday, and this heat there was unbelievable. That's why I'm so pink, by the way. We watched the FA Cup final. <laughs> Honestly, I thought it was a broad... It was 22 degrees, but I felt like it was 32. It was astonishing. In East Kilbride in Scotland, just in case you're wondering. Bloody hell. Yeah. half an hour north of Glasgow or something like that. But, um, yeah, we've got to talk about Messi going to Miami. It, what can you say? It's a shame, isn't it? He'll look beautiful in that pink kit, though. Whoa. They have got nice kits, haven't they? Yeah. Um, it's...
1: Part of me is kind of go going. Ah, oh, respect for not you know following the money and going to Saudi Arabia and inspect instead. F- uh, you know, following the money and going to the MLS instead. But yeah, um, yeah, it's because a lot of Barca fans were. I don't know if they were actually convinced or they were just trying to will it into existence that he'd rejoin them because Liverpool were being linked with Frank Kessie last week. Um, I don't know if that was just. Room mongering or something put out by Kessie's agent, but the belief was that Barcelona need to try and trim the fat a lot more and try and say to La Liga, Look, if we can get Messi back, it'll be good for the league for one last hurrah. You know, the the money that will come in, the tourism, because they're out of the new camp for at least one season, aren't they, while they redevelop it? So they were thinking, Our match day. Revenue is going to take a hit, so if we can get Messi back and sell some shares, then, you know, fingers crossed it could help them get out of the financial mud.
0: Yeah, it's a, obviously the World Cup was a dream scenario. It's obviously his probably his last World Cup he's ever going to play in. You would think, yeah. and then obviously winning it finally so he can stick his head and shoulders above Ronaldo and who is the goat of all time, um, the goat cool. of all time, the greatest of all time. But it is a shame how things have sort of unravelled at PSG. I'm just looking at his record here in the league: twenty six games last or twenty one twenty two season, only six goals. Last season, thirty-two appearances, sixteen goals. Seventy-five appearances in all for Paris Saint-Germain, thirty-two goals. We know there was that trip recently he did to Saudi Arabia, which pissed off the PSG fans who are quite vocal when they don't like a player, as we're seeing with Neymar yeah. rocking up there, rocking up to his house and getting involved. Well, like Italian fans, I guess that's up there, isn't it? Sorry, the, the, the the PSG fans go to someone's house to try and get him out the club. Uh um, oh, the he's PSG. Got, it is Gordon Wall going, leave, will you? We don't quite like it. But it is a bit of a shame because it, it was strange. We always understood why Messi left Barcelona with the trouble they were in financially and whatever mm. else went into it. But it is a shame to see how things did sort of unravel for Messi at PSG. The fact that they did go for, in the first season especially, just let's just pepper this team with as many stars as we can and let's hope it works. The second season, obviously, they brought in, oh, my God, what was his name? The manager. Um Mr. Manager, they brought in to sort of blend more of a team together rather than just. Uh, <laughs> you know, Mr. Manager, who you start off on FIFA before you change the name to your actual name. I've uh, forgotten his name. They brought him in to make more of a team of it, and it, that didn't work either. Yeah. Uh, what was his you, name? Are you thinking Pachatino? Christophe Gaultier, that was the one. Oh, uh, right. They brought him in to make it more of a team and go less star power, more unity. While yeah. giving the entire club to Kylian Mbappe, seemingly. Well, I was just about to say that uh, I think the one
1: person who will be made up right now is Mbappe, that all the focus is fully on him again. But um, I don't mind the idea of Messi in the MLS. We were saying before about Zlatan going to uh, when he went to LA Galaxy and just started banging him in and still went back to Milan and won the league. Yeah. Who knows? You never know. I think someone was saying, Andrew in our chat was saying that he's had. A rumor that, because of the way that the MLS is set up, as opposed to the European domestic league, that he could be loaned back to Barcelona, like what
0: Galaxy did with Beckham to AC Milan towards yeah, the like end of J- January or something like that. Yeah, the first half of the until yeah. I think it's about March time, isn't it, when the league starts? up? Yeah. So if it, there is every chance, we could see Messi back in a Barcelona shares, Who knows? Yeah, because I was saying the obviously the obvious links because you know Newcastle's got money now. Lionel Messi and Neymar both going to sign for Newcastle this summer. I was like, nah, we don't we don't want people like Lionel Messi playing for Newcastle. But I just I, I don't know what it is about him. I don't want to see him playing leagues like the French league and the, the MLS. I want to see him at the tippy top, just mm. not for my team. I don't don't fully trust him now after what's happened <laughs> to PSG. It's a weird thing to say, but I just it's it, it. I don't know what. It's thirty five years of age now. He's obviously done everything there is to do. I guess just let him enjoy his, his final years of his career. Let him go and make some, well, a little bit more money because obviously he's been paid very little up until now.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, because I remember laughing when before he left Barcelona and he was like, oh, I'll take a bit of a pay cut. I was like, come on, mate. You, you, you're on more money than King Solomon. You can take you can play there for free and still be fine. <laughs> Your sponsors can
0: pay you. I was going to say, his, his wage from Adidas must be... Equal to or more than what he makes in terms of his playing contract, surely. Easily. And uh, he's got one of the faces of Pepsi as well, isn't he? Mm.
1: So, and, you know, various other things. You always hear about these just weird, weird little stuff they've got in country-specific places. He's probably the face of, I don't know, a hamburger chain in Greece as well. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? But we came
0: perilously close to Phil Neville being Lionel Messi's manager. But unfortunately, it'll never come to pass. I should actually have a look. Let's have a look at the Inter-Miami squad. I've never even... Considered who he's going to be playing alongside. I'm sure In Miami they had, did they have a crap season last season? They had uh, Higuain, didn't they, for the, the yeah. a couple of years? Let's have a look at the first team squad. Let's Big try Gonzalo. first team squad. First team squad. We've got Tri- Drake Callender the goalkeeper. DeAndre, Le- DeAndre Yedlin is there? Yeah. I'm trying to look at the the names I, I recognize here. Uh, there's nobody I recognize. Harvey Neville, I assume, is Phil or Gary's son. Let's have a look at that. whose son is he? Harvey Neville. He's apparently going to turn up for the Republic of Ireland. He's the Island. son of Phil Neville. <laughs> he's the son of Phil Neville. Five appear. Well, he's made 45 appearances in the league for Inter-Miami so far. He's a defender. Um, who else is there? Who else? There's got to be one more recognisable name. There's got to be one more. There's not. There's nobody. I only know DeAndre Edlin. That's it. So yeah. <laughs> he was an average Premier League player at best. So all the best to Lionel Messi playing alongside a who's who of... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, who's, He's going that? To be manage- uh, who's that <laughs> of uh, football manager? Just in case you're wondering, Javier Morales is the current interim manager or player manager, whatever, it- yeah, manager. Mm. He retired in 2016. He's an Argentine 43-year-old. He played for Neil's Old Boys. I don't know. It just It's going to be fun to watch Messi, I guess, playing in the MLS. I've turned around in just the space of a few minutes there, looking at how perilous a situation they have at in Miami. Yeah,
1: because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go from this season... As you can tell, I've I have not watched that much footy this season. And obviously now we're doing this more more regularly, I'm gonna to have to pull my finger out my ass. But here I am thinking, Oh, yeah, as soon as you get them in the shirt, we'll get the inter Miami game on. I'll stay up, I'll stay up till four in the morning and watch it, who cares?
0: <laughs> yeah, I've just your pronunciation of the word shirt there's not gonna go down with well with YouTube, but that's that's your scouster's coming through, that's not my fault. Well, if if they say anything then they're racist they are racist YouTube <laughs> are racist right we'll wrap things up there that's another <laughs> episode of the Holland and Give Football Podcast done any closing remarks before we go away I'm just gutted that Phil Neville left them. Uh, I'm just hoping that like the light behind me is not playing
1: too much havoc with the camera
0: no, you've looked like an angel all episode. The fact you've had like a halo, a squat, an oblong halo. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm in my actual home office now,
1: and I did a podcast recording with Tom the other day and I had a big, thick, dark blanket, uh, blanket like curtain up. So I was just sweating and bald in the dark, like Marlon Brando in Apocalypse <laughs> Now, just like. Oh. So I, I thought I'd change it up, but it's alright. It's a bit
0: of a mess in the back, but apart from that, it's alright yeah a bit of a mess in the front hopefully my sunburn dies down before next week's episode because it's quite unflattering as I'm sat here right now East Kilbride is really hot let us know what you think <laughs> of the podcast down below how good are you that Phil Nivell didn't get to manage Lionel Messi at into Miami uh, just leave a like as well give us a subscribe all those good things you can do for free to support little rinky dink channels like this one here so I've been Ross joined by Jackins we'll see you at the same time-ish next week it depends how long Adobe Premiere takes to export the thing It's varied at the moment, Jackers. Let me tell you, it's a learning experience. But we'll see you later. (laughs) Goodbye, everyone. (laughs)